Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. And you remain standing for the word, if you will, please. And we are going to the book of Psalm, chapter number 148. It has been my privilege to teach the last few weeks on this business of the weapon of praise. And the more I study this, the richer it is. And the more I think that on one Sunday I'm going to finish the series, the less I can. Because you can never ever praise God too much. So we began talking about seven Hebrew words. Particularly found in the Old Testament that can be described as words that take us in what is called a progression of praise. They're used many times in the Old Testament, but the writer in the Old Testament that stands out the most regarding writing about praise and practicing praise would be the writer of the Psalms. Most of the Psalms are credited to David. So I don't know of any person more qualified to teach us on praising God. And I've also come to learn that the devil makes it his business to keep hidden from you tools and weapons that God's making available to you to overcome the devil. Did you get what I said? The devil does not want you to know what drives him away, what gives you joy, what delivers you from his attacks. But God wants you to know, and he says, by his word, you will know it. So Psalm 148 is the reference for this morning. And when I think about the last few chapters of the book of Psalms, you could actually begin from 147 to, to 150 and find so many admonitions of praising God. Psalm 148, there are 14 verses, they're all worthy of being read and I will do that now. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, pause. I used to think fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds were always destructive. And how could that be praising the Lord? But that's not the case. God orders the wind, the fire, the hail. And it's not always destructive. He says here, in verse number 9, 
mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. I'm getting too happy too soon. Verse 14. For He has exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, of all the children of Israel, a people near to God. Everybody say the last three words out loud with me. Praise the Lord. Oh, blessed be God. Every Sunday I ask you to reach your hands in my direction and pray for me. I'm going to ask that again. But when you do that, I'm going to reach my hands your way and pray for you. One thing I want you to include while you do this right now, I want you to pray. If you don't pray for me, I want you to do this. Five precious lives were lost this week in a fire in Coweta County. Precious lives. I want you to pray for those who remain, who suffered that loss, that God would embrace and help them. 20 seconds. Here we go. Pr- begin to pray out of your lips that God would anoint me and anoint you and that he would comfort the bereaved. Oh, Father, uh, we live in a world that is still... Oh, God, how, how can I say this? Uh, a world is still being attacked by the results of sin and violence and disaster and loss. Oh, God... But you said in the midst of all that, you would be a comforter and keeper. So I pray for the families and friends and others who suffer the loss of these five. I know not everybody here this morning is from Coweta County or the city of Noonan, but I know they know how to relate to loss. So I pray for the angels of God to surround the families. And for we as Christians to unite together to help in any way we can. And I pray, oh God, for others today who need comfort. And I pray for a divine unction from the Holy Ghost to help me to preach. Give me strength and anointing. And Lord, let let I, I, I ask you today, and I've come to know in recent weeks, that it's not about me, God. It's not about my style or the tone of my voice or whether I'm loud or quiet or demonstrative or not. It's about your word changing everyone that will receive it. And for that I praise you by faith. Amen? Amen. And you may be seated. I won't go back to the last four words of the seven Hebrew words to review them about this business of the progression of praise. I invite you to get the CD or go online. Because sometimes when I go back to review, I get some other inspiration and I never get back to the real where we want to go. But I want to introduce this lesson and be sensitive of your time, but more importantly God's time, to tell you that I have great expectations for this service right here at this point and beyond also. I'm talking about you. I had great expectations for praise and worship and God's met and exceeded them. But I'm here to tell you this is not the part of the service where we go into our lazy boy mode and sit back and think, well, let's see if we can endure this. I have great expectations for what the Word of God and not the Word of Alan Matura is going to do in your and my, my life in the next few moments. I have a couple of questions. 
The first is, how is it? How is it that it seems like God would ask us to do something difficult when we are already in a difficult situation or circumstance? How is it that God already knowing what's going on in our marriage and knowing how victimized we may have felt by our spouse, for him to ask us to forgive him or her again. And I know you won't say amen because he's sitting beside you. But anyhow. <laughs> how is it, God, that I'm already in a difficult financial situation? The car needs tires and brakes. The washing machine went out. Potentially, I will be unable to meet the mortgage this month if this continues. And then you ask me to bring an offering to you. I have, I admit, in difficult situations said, say what, God? You want me to do what? How difficult it was for Abraham who waited for years on the promised son, his seed, of the union of him and his wife Sarah, to be asked by God after Isaac was born and got to be about maybe 12 years old, not to be asked by God, but to be told by God, Take your son, Isaac, three days walking journey to a place that I will show you when you get there that we now know to be Mount Moriah and offer him up as a sacrifice for me. I'm thinking if I, if I were Abraham and God said that, I'd say, uh, what did Sarah cook last night and put in my food that I'm having, thinking? <laughs> By the way, do I need to remind you, God, that my wife was 90 years old when she conceived out of the seed of our union, and I was 100, and, and Isaac was born? I, I mean... If you're going to talk about Hall of Fame Smithsonian records, <laughs> that'll be something. And some of you older grandparents are thinking, oh God, don't use me in that way. I'm done with this business. <laughs> and I don't blame you, but for them, God had made them a promise. Can I get a witness? And the promise wasn't Ishmael. The promise was Isaac. They wanted so bad for the promise of their child to come because God said out of Abraham and Sarah's union, God would bless them with children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great until God would build a nation out of Abraham. And the nation and the population of the people that we now know that the people of God, the Jews, would be so innumerable. They would be as innumerable as the stars of the heaven or the sands of the seashore. And here he is pushing 100 and she's 90 and you're thinking... What about all that star and seashore stuff? 
And then here comes Isaac. Abraham is fond of Isaac. I mean, he's already old enough to be a great, great, great grandfather, <laughs> but he's a father. Oh, man, Isaac was his joy. But God affirms, take him and offer him up. And I'm thinking, every chance I get to use to bring in my grandkids in the sermon, I'm going to put it in there, buddy. <laughs> Pastor JC's here. Uh, uh, he and his group of young people, uh, uh, youth leaders, were out of town on, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Pigeon Forge with uh, a few hundred other youth leaders from the southeast. Uh, and then Pastor JC was in charge of leading that meeting, being the president of what is called NILA, National Youth Leaders Association. So he and Kim had the significant role of leading that meeting, and our grandson stayed with us, Lakeland. And he's three years old. And, uh, and I, lo I love Lakeland. And his mom and dad, they love, but when he's there, even Valerie can't tell me what to do. It's Lakeland. So it comes to be bedtime. So I'm thinking, uh, he will sleep with his Mia on our bed. And uh, you know how kids sleep, little kids, three-year-old. I mean, they flip and flop. Next thing you know, their foot is in your mouth. And, <laughs> but they're sleeping. So I'm thinking that they will get their rest. And Valerie said, well, Alan, you can sleep in the other bedroom because I, I wanted you know, to be comfortable also. I wanted to get rest and... But any time he spends a night at our house, it's in our bed. He says, no, I, I, know, I want Papa to come into bed too. And he put his little pillow in between me and Papa, and I want him to come to bed. And I tell you, boy, I'd watch him fall off to sleep, and you grandparents know what I'm talking about, and I just want to, like his parents and others, just want to watch him sleep. And I'm, and I'm watching him as his mother and father, as I know you do with your children, uh, as, as I get to be his grandfather, uh, Papa, I speak over him. Wonder what he's going to be. Like you do, Pastor Jeff, with your grandchildren. Uh, like, like, wonder what they're going to do. Wonder, wonder. I know what I'd like to see him do. I know what his dad would like to see him do. His dad would like to see him be the quarterback of Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday and preach on Sunday. <laughs> That's what it is. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm dreaming over Lakeland. And I can only imagine that that's what Abraham was doing, brothers and sisters, when God said to him, take him and kill him. You know the story. Never before Abraham has God asked for human sacrifice. Never since Abraham has God asked for human sacrifice. And do you also know the end of the story? God wasn't asking for a human sacrifice. God was asking for Abraham's heart, not his son. But somehow in this business of living, Abraham's love and affection and dreams were now being poured out on his boy. And maybe he didn't pray as much as he used to. 
Maybe he didn't have as much faith as he used to. Maybe, maybe he wasn't worshiping as diligently because he was, so, he was so much in love with Isaac. And God said, I was just running you through a test. And now I know. Can, can, can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Oh, what I'm saying to you is, is that the introduction is taking me too long. Is that sometimes God will show up in your storms and say, praise me anyhow. Go ahead. Go ahead and praise me. Difficult to do. In your financial storm, in your marriage storm, in your, in your mind storm, in your unemployment storm, in your adversarial, somebody has chosen to, to, to be an adversary to you. Somebody has targeted you, coming up with reasons and rhymes to make your life miserable. And you're thinking, God, I'm going to church. I am serving you. I'm worshiping. I'm presenting my gift and offering. I'm a volunteer in a ministry. And I'm doing all this, and it seemed like the more I pray, the harder it gets to get my answer. And then you're telling me to praise you. And I'm also here to tell you, as difficult as that is, God will never put you through a storm or a trial or a dark night or walking through a dark valley without which he has a plan for it, a purpose for it, and he will give you the power while you're in the middle of it. And when you get out of it, surely goodness and mercies shall follow you all the days of your life. Help me praise him. I'm learning, you are learning that when God says praise me whether you feel like it or not, go to church whether you feel like it or not, sing whether you feel like it or not, forgive whether you feel like it or not, read the Bible whether you feel like it or not. God is not trying to be legalistic and make you fulfill about a hundred requirements because he wants to give you high marks. What God is saying, if you'll prove me in the fire, I will air condition the fire like I did for Shadrach, Meshach, and a if you prove me in the fire, I'll put a fourth man in the fire who is the Son of God, and you'll come out not burned, not smelling like smoke. If you praise me, anyhow. Oh, come on and praise him, anyhow, church. Hard to do, but doable. There are these dimensions of praise I've been talking about, levels of praise. They're Hebrew words that speak about a higher level than the other level. And here's a word I want you to, to see that speaks about praising God, perfecting praise. If I know there's a way to get a quicker result from God, I want to try that. Amen? If I know there's a shorter route between this destination and the other destination and it's safe to travel, I want to try that. Can I get an amen? If I know there's a way to get out of debt faster, I, I want to know that. And if, I, if, if there's a way to drive the devil away more permanently, I want to know that. The Hebrew word is zamah. What is zamah? Zamah means to sing, to touch the strings or part of a musical instrument. Zamah means making music that is accompanied by the voice. But here is further meaning. Zamah is the fifth of seven dimensions of praise, not the first. So what does that mean? You're looking at the screen. It means you don't start praise by making music because music with instruments is to be an extension of your praise, 
not the creation of it. Let, let me help you to understand that praise and worship at South Metro Ministry Ministries should not begin when you enter in the door and Pastor Chad says, would you stand please? It should start in your car while you're driving. Oh, I feel, uh, yeah, you know what I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it should start Saturday night. Uh, I'm just going to, because listen, you don't have to have your favorite praise CD playing for you to praise God. Music was meant to add to our praise. And I'm all about music and worship. I, I do not want to, if I can help it, uh, have to pastor a, a place or a people that just don't want music in their church. Somebody help me. I'm not criticizing, okay? Because if you, you just don't know the word if you, if, you, if you reject music and instruments and say that's not what praise is all about. Help me hear somebody, okay? I'm saying to you that music and instruments, I want there to be a church where there will be uh, bongas and congas like there is here in this house and piano and keyboard and drums and saxophone and trumpets and other instruments because that's what the Bible in Psalm 150, it describes numerous instruments on which one should praise God. Can I get an amen? But, but here's what I'm telling you. Praise in God begins without the music. You don't have to have your favorite CD. You don't have to have your favorite artist. What you have to have is thanksgiving in your heart, gratitude in your soul, and let the praises begin to come up. And next thing you know, a song begins to come out of your heart. Next thing you know, you want to turn on some music because it feels so good. It only adds to a higher level of where we need to be. I'm reminded as a boy growing up in the island of Trinidad. I was 11 years old when we came to the United States in 1968. And our churches back then, as some of our churches there now, uh, did not have musical instruments. But that's a long time ago, so that many are blessed. Didn't have a PA system, didn't have musical instruments, didn't have gifted, uh, uh, skilled uh, musicians by way of training. And, and so, so what we would do sometimes, now we, we did after a time, in our church, uh, have a piano player. That's upright piano, okay? But this piano player was also called to the ministry. A lady minister whose name was Sister Gill, G-I-L-L. I remember her. There were sometimes she was not at church on Sundays or Wednesdays because she had a preaching appointment and could not be there or otherwise. And so we, uh, we did without the piano player, okay? Uh, and then there are times when she was there and, and, and we worshipped. There were times when, uh, of course, we didn't have electric guitars and we didn't have, yes, we had electricity. So don't think, you know, some of you are thinking about Trinidad. I wonder if he swung from vines. No, it was, it was a very much uh, civilized country. Uh, but, but we didn't have some of those modern things that, that, that now make praise and worship and, and instruments and such that, that, that made it even richer. And here's how praise and worship would start sometimes in Trinidad in the service as a boy. Somebody over here would start singing. Oh, how I love Jesus. And it'd ring in somebody's spirit over here, and you'd hear somebody else go, Oh, how I love Jesus. Four or five people catch it over in the middle section and they'd join it with them. Oh, how I love. And the next thing you know, the whole place is. Oh, because he first loved me. And next thing you know, you hear the tambourine going on because somebody brought one in. 
And then, then if, the, if Sister Gill wasn't there for the piano, somebody had a little guitar going. That, that, that's it. What I'm saying to you is praise is birthed out of an act of our will, not out of a musical note alone. I'm doing some preaching now. You, you understand what I'm saying here? Okay. Uh, so so it is, my, my, my word to you, it, it, to us today is thank God for the instruments and thank God for the musicians. But the Bible says, this, this is a ma, look at what it says in Psalm 33, uh, 2 and 3. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. But if you don't have it, praise him anyhow. It means to sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Can I get a, another amen? I, I, I'm telling you that there's a place for everything, but the place to start for praise is regardless of music or not. Then let me show you what Psalm 59 says in verse 16 and verse 17. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. Why in the morning? For you have been my defense and my refuge in the day of my trouble. Can I get an amen? Verse 17, to you, O my strength, I will sing praises. For God is my defense, my God of mercy. Oh, I wish somebody would get on board with me here. Whether I have music or not, I'm going to make music get up in the morning. Because here's what's going on. You see, it, the, the psalmist said, I'll praise you in the morning because you're my defense. When God plays the video in heaven and shows you and I the things that he's kept us from that the enemy meant for us while we were sleeping, you and I are going to say, oh, why didn't I praise him more? Can I, get, can I get somebody to praise the Lord? You see, not everybody has an alarm system in their house. I recommend one if you can. Not everybody has other systems of protection in their house. And I'm not asking you to shoot anybody or whatever, but some people, they have guns as a form of protection, alarm system, etc., etc., all right? Because you want to protect your family. But what I'm saying is, you don't have to have an alarm system, and you don't have to have a gun, and you don't have to have an attack dog. You don't have to have a police outside your house. When you get up in the morning and you realize that you, God, have been my defense and my refuge and my alarm system and my my security and I get up in the morning and instead of being grouchy and grumpy I'll sing unto God I'll raise my hands and thank God for another night's sleep and another day to praise God clap your hands and praise him church oh so what God wants us to do is a little bit more of some zama here's another dimension a name of which you are very well acquainted. Ever heard that name? Barak. So here's something I'd like to add. I, I do not know what the president's mother and father's uh, motive was for choosing the name Barak. But let me tell you what it means. It means to kneel and bless God. So I want you, when you hear our president's first name, to have another association with that first name that will bless him and bless you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. And he is helping me. I just... Every, everybody ought to praise the Lord. I want to tell you, I kneel down and bless the Lord. 
But if I was president of the United States, you wouldn't have to tell me to do that. And it's not, that's not a shot against the president, okay? It's about every president. Every political leader. Every former president. Should. Future president. Every governor in America need to kneel down and Barack bless God. Did you hear me? Every mayor, every city councilman, come on and help me praise the Lord. Yeah. This week I saw on television where five former presidents were standing in front of the George W. Bush Library in Texas. As you know, every president is blessed after their term with a remembrance of a library built in their honor so history can know more about their time of presidency. And, I, and it was a time, it was a beautiful time. There was Mr. Clinton, there was Mr. Bush, there was Mr. Bush Sr., presidents, I should say, because they're worthy of that honor. There was President Obama, and then there was uh, President Carter. And it was a, it was a nonpartisan moment, but they came to honor one of their peers. And I thought to myself, surely when we, when we think about our leaders, these men know, they know, we don't know all those behind the scenes, they know that if they don't have the help of God, they're dead. Did, some, did anybody hear me? Let me tell you this. They, they, they're targets. And you know God will protect other people. He'll protect our unsaved loved ones for our sake. He'll protect political leaders for our sake. Because they don't get to be there without him saying, I'll let you be there. I'm doing some preaching and teaching, okay? So not only does President Obama and the four others who were with him this past week and who will follow him after his term is over need to kneel and bless God. You may not even be the president of the Dog Catchers Club, but you ought to praise God. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Look, look at this. I'm about to hurry. The beginning of, of God's response in our worship takes place at this level of what is known as Barak. When we've come past the, the first five levels of, of, of thanking God and praising God and raising our hands and worshiping God and singing to God and what I've taught before, when we get to this level here, whether it's five minutes into our prayer or 15 minutes into our prayer, at this level, we stop and wait for God to do something in our lives instead of we saying, oh, oh come on, help me, telling him all the time what we need. Look, look at this. Look at the screen. Too often, we never reach this level or this stage because we are so busy talking to God that we give Him little or no chance to speak to us. Oh, I, I, need, to, I need to help myself and help you here. You ever been in disagreement with somebody and it, it gets a little tense and, uh, you know, uh, the tension is mounting because you're trying to defend your position. And... and uh, they're so busy talking that they ain't even listening to what you got to say. And have you ever thought, I ain't even listening to what you say either because once you shut your mouth, I got a few words I want to tell you. And it ain't going to be in tongues. But just go ahead. <laughs> and sometimes we do God like that. I know I have. 
Always telling him, I need this, I want this, please do this, please. Always telling him stuff he already knows. Come on and help me preach somebody. There isn't a need in any one of our lives that God is not already aware of. You, you listen to this little Indian preacher. I'm telling you there isn't a valley you're going to walk through next month or next year or a dark night or a storm that's going to blow in your life that God does not already know about it. So every once in a while, we got a barak. Because if we keep talking, never listening, we miss the prophecy he wants to give us. I mean, know he can give you prophecy, but you can prophesy over things and people. You miss the tongues because tongues is not some kind of weird kind of other uh, stuff, twilight zone, whatever people made tongues misrepresented of. It is not that. It is the language of God that he gives us to help us to know how to pray. I'll teach about that at another time. We keep talking and never listening. We miss the edification that God wants to give His children. I wish somebody else would say praise the Lord. So uh, my, my word about this word Barak means uh, praise. It's the kind of praise that reaches God. And praise that reaches God requires listening as well as speaking. Come on and give me an amen. If you're going to resolve marital conflicts with your spouse, issues over money, raising children, issues over job, issues over moving or not moving to a different location, if you're going to resolve issues with other people on the job, co-workers, whatever, if you're going to resolve issues of that, you and I got to learn how to not only speak, but listen. I, I feel a what glory. I just woke up a whole row of people. Everybody say, listening, listening. Speaking. speaking. Maybe that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. <laughs> Alan, you're good, man. I think I'm going to buy this CD. I, I'm just having such a good time. Maybe that's why James said in the book of James, be slow to speak and Swift to listen. Look up your neighbor and say, are you listening? Yeah, wake them up, wake them up. It's time for them to get up. And I'm telling you, God's saying, okay, I already know all that stuff. You stop at the Barak point of praise and, and, and you uh, say, God, I brought my Bible when I came here to pray. Or would you like to show me something now? And give it a moment. And he may say, turn to Psalm 150. If you ever had a question about where to go to find how to praise, go to the Psalms. But praise is in every book. Uh, uh, when, when, you, when, you, when you barack, you, uh, you stop and you say, God, I brought my little journal here. Uh, what, would you, what would you have me to learn? I'm using me because... I know more about me than I do you. And I'm using me because it's probably safer. If I start talking about your stuff, you probably won't come back. Uh, uh, I'm using me because there's some things I've learned that only he could teach me. I was driving out of the parking lot going through this time 
seven weeks of being out of the pulpit, suffering from anxiety and stress and panic attacks and other things. And I say that because some of you are guests and may not know that it can happen to preachers too. Because this is not an immortal, incorruptible, glorified body. I will be eternally grateful for the staff that God's given me. And we'll begin to practice for them and to them greater gratitude more publicly and personally because of what I went through and how God used them to help me and to keep God's house ablaze with the glory. But, but listen to me. I was driving out, leaving the parking lot as I returned back to work gradually a few hours. And I will never forget this as long as I live because I wrote it down. I stopped long enough for Barak, for God to speak to me instead of me speaking to him. Oh, God, help me. I stopped long enough, and the Lord said this to me. I called you to be a minister, not a manager. And if you want to be healed, you need to learn your priorities all over again. Abraham, I called you to be a father of nations, not just your one son. While I need to do managing, while this church is large, hundreds of members, 1,300 or more, I think, and we have a large staff. The Lord says you're going to have to do some administration and managing because you are the leader. But I've already given you men and women who are gifted. You be the minister, I'll take you the manager. Listen to me. Listen to me. And another time in these Barack moments, Pastor JC, when I would say, okay, because when your mind is under attack, when your mind is under attack, it, it seems like you can never get a moment of peace. Brother Jose, it seems like you're just, God, if I could just rest my mind. I just had a picture in my mind that I don't know if I should tell you or not. In the, in the atrium, we have a little table. And on that table are the disciples and Jesus having communion. It's made out of, uh, what is it, uh, ceramic. And one of the disciples at the table, his head broke off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it fell or whatever. And so Lakeland and Emily showed uh, these two little children. It showed me. They said, Papa, come here and show this. this. The head of this. And I said, that must have been Judas. <laughs> but I, I said that, I'm telling you why I said that, because sometimes you, your mind, even in your sleep, you, you kind of wish that you could just take your head and put it on the dresser. Go ahead with me. I'm not leading you in the wrong place. And then let your body rest. And then you take up that mess. The devil, you know, just leave that. 
So get a, get a rest. Michelle, stand up, would you? And step out just a little bit this way. Step out in the light so the folks can see you. Right there. On, on Mother's Day, you want to be here. Okay? You want to be here on Mother's Day. Because I want Michelle to tell you some of her story. Okay? You want to be here on Mother's Day. Because sometimes we think we go through stuff. And then you hear somebody else's stuff. That lady right there has a story to tell. And I want you to know that. And I just, because there were times, well, I'll start telling you a story. Go back, Michelle, and sit down. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just want you to know Mother's Day, okay? The head, I want it. Just, I want, because I don't want, what should I think? Another time the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go forward, not fearward. I wonder this morning, I wonder what is hindering you. I, I, I wonder what God's trying to say to you that, that you need to hear by quit telling him what you need and just start listening. He'll speak through his word, just read it. He will speak through his word. He'll speak to others. So, but listen to me. I, I, I'm saying to you, I needed to hear I called you to be a minister, not a manager. I needed to hear, I want you to go forward, not fearward. Okay? I wonder what is blocking you. In the name of Jesus, I command it to leave today. In the name of Jesus, God is not finished with you. You have Your finest hours are not behind you. Did you hear me? I'm speaking over you in Jesus' name. I'm telling you. You are, yes, you are going through a valley of sickness, but God is not finished with you. God is not finished with your children. They don't have to be bound by drugs or alcohol or hang out with the wrong people. Somebody you love is in jail, but God's not even finished with them because he can change things. Can I get an amen? Sure. You, you, may, you, you, may, you may have low income. You may have dreams beating in your breast, beating in your chest that you hope to realize. I'm telling you. Tell the devil he's a liar. Tell the devil, shut his mouth. You Barak, you Zamar, you praise God because God is worthy of your praise and he will bring you out. Stand up. Stand up and praise him all over this house. Come on, come on. Everybody, let, let's, let's praise him whether we feel like it or not. He already knows what we need. Come on, come on. Put your hands together. Take 15 seconds. Shout it out loud. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shout it out. Thank you, Jesus. The devil's a liar. I'm not going to die like this. My marriage is not going to be a statistic. God is alive. God is faithful. Oh, I bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. Whosoever will, let him come. If you're not saved, you come. You're not saved and you, you, you say, I've been a worthless hoodlum. God will save you in seconds if you'll confess it. Can I get an amen? I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> there are times when you've got to kneel down. There, there are ten positions of praise I'm going to preach about. Matter of fact, I thought I'd finish this series before we went to the first next church. A new church, 
But you know what? I'm just going to keep preaching on praise. As long as I know it makes the devil mad and makes God glad and you to have the victory. So, my brother Sammy, let, let, let the altar workers who are trained come and stand with you. These, these people come in here, they're just, going, they're just comforters and helpers and blessers. Okay? They're just here to bless you. I can invite you to come. You can come on your own. But when we start singing, if you need some encouragement, you don't have to tell them your personal business. They ain't going to ask you. But if you want to tell them something, you can. But here's what I want you to do. I want you, in, in the next moments, and before we go, we're going to sing a couple times of praise the Lord. Because let me, I know you got other things to do, but you can get them done faster if you'll take a few more seconds and praise Him. Can I get an amen? I know you got places to go. I know you got a schedule. But if you'll give God five minutes, He'll make up for the five minutes you give Him by giving you the energy, the anointing, the unction, and the favor to get accomplished what you need done. But I can't Barak for you. And I can't Zamah for you. And I can't Todah for you. And I can't Halal for you. And all the other Hebrew words, it's you got to, yeah, yada. That's it. That's another one. You have got to say, God, I'm coming out of this in Jesus' name. And even though it's difficult like it was for Abraham <laughs> to, to, to do what you said, I'm not going to do it based on my mood or because the pastor told me. I'm going to do it because you are worthy of my praise. Lift up your hands all over the house. Begin to raise your voice and praise him over whatever is in your life. In Jesus' name, I praise you that I'm well. Come on. In Jesus' name, I'm ready to listen to what you've got to say. Oh, come on. Come on. I praise you. Don't even tell him your request. Don't even tell him. Just begin to praise him. He already knows. Praise him a little bit louder than the devil trying to keep you from praising him. Come on. A little bit louder than the other voice. You can praise him by saying hallelujah or praise the Lord or I love you Jesus. You can praise him with a scripture verse. You can praise him in tongues. You can praise him by singing a song. But let there be no spectators, just praisers. Sing, my brother. Hands lifted up. And if you need to come to the altar to be encouraged, come. Somebody's waiting to help you be encouraged. Everybody, everybody. Hello, my Come on, lift those hands and praise Him. Everybody, everybody, worship Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.